Eanes is proud to present the WHS Healthy Shab Speaker Series. This week, Nina Sofer from CenterForChildProtection.org shares internet safety for children and families. All right, well, hello everyone. My name is Christy Wadehofer. I'm one of the two uh, student support counselors over at the high school. Um, we appreciate you kind of signing online with us via Zoom for a very different platform for our speaker series, but we're still, you know, wanting to get this important information out to all of our families. Um, as a reminder, you can find this video and any of the handouts on our Healthy Shaps website, and Shaps is spelled C-H-A-P-S. You can literally take it to Google Healthy Shaps, and the very first website that pops up is ours. Um, that'll be an opportunity again to be able to go in, see the video, we'll turn this into a podcast as well, and then access all of the handouts. Um, we are very excited to have you here with us. I will go ahead and turn it over to you so we can make the most use of our hour. Um, but I will be here for any questions that you might have. Yes, awesome. Thank you so much, Christy. Um, as she said, my name is Nina Sofer. Uh, I work with the Center for Child Protection and I am an education specialist. Uh, today we're going to be talking about internet safety and just how we can kind of help um, regulate and kind of work those guidelines uh, that we have for you all uh, when it comes to kind of protecting your children on the internet. Um, so again, I work for the Center for Child Protection. We are a children's advocacy center um, and we work in the community to help um, reduce the trauma that children experience uh, during the investigation process of um, any crime. So typically we see children who have been abused or who have witnessed something traumatic. Uh, and the different services that we offer for them is we do have our forensic services interview. That's kind of our um, main service that we provide. That's that forensic interview. And so if a child has experienced something traumatic and they do need to speak to um, either the police or CPS about it, um, we come in as a third party and we have someone who's trained not only in the criminal justice system, but they're also trained in childhood development. And so they are able to, um, they're able to have the conversation and to interview that child in a way that is less traumatic to them. In our center specifically, that happens on what in, there's two rooms and one room is, is the child and the interviewer. In between those rooms is a two-way glass mirror. And so to the child, it looks like a mirror on the other side, um, in the other room, there is law enforcement, uh, CPS, there is, um, there is the DA's office, anyone who really needs to be a part of that um, interview, who needs that information, they're able to get it um, by watching the interviewer do that interview. It's then also recorded both video and audio, and they are able to, um, with that video and audio, they have that, um, they get it gets sent home with all of the people who need to see it so that way if they uh, need to be reminded of anything or have any other questions they're able to kind of watch that interview again before um, re uh, having to talk to the child from there uh, we also offer therapy services not just for the child but for the family because when something traumatic like abuse happens it's typically something that's affecting the whole family and so we want to make sure that everyone is taken care of our therapy services are not necessarily traditional one-on-one -on -one talk therapy. It can be that if that's what's easier for the client, but a lot of times we found children who go through something traumatic, they are actually um, 
it's easier for them to kind of engage in a therapy session if they're doing something interactive. So if they are uh, planting in our garden, if they are uh, in our music garden, if they are um, doing arts and crafts, uh, if they are working and doing our theater program that we do during the summer for some children. If they're playing with our therapy dog, Mickler, it's easier for them to kind of become comfortable and feel safe and be able to open up in therapy. And so that is something that we do as well as our medical services. So we partner with Dell Children's Hospital and they have a wing upstairs uh, right next to us so that if they have to have a um, forensic examination of any kind, they're able to kind of, they're able to do that in a building where they've already um, become familiar with the surroundings, they know the staff, it's a one less stop that the family then has to take. And last but not least, we offer our education services. Our education services is myself um, and the team that I work with. We go out into the community, we talk to doctors, we talk to parents, we talk to um, therapists, we talk to teachers, uh, coaches, anyone who interacts with children and we teach them kind of about what to look for as signs of child abuse, how to prevent it, um, as well as how to intervene if they feel like it's happening. And we also go into schools and we talk to children about body safety um, and safe adults and being able to recognize those safe adults in their life so that if something does happen, they know that they have someone to go and talk to. Um, when we get to that question and answer portion, um, I will ask you guys if you have any questions kind of about the center and I'll be willing to answer those. Uh, again, if at any point you start to think of questions, please feel free to send them in the chat and I will kind of look those over as we begin that question and answer and I'll be able to kind of go through that with you all. So today's training, again, we're going to be learning about internet safety, um, some different ways that children are involved with the internet, how they use it, and then um, the different kind of threats that can be encountered through that and how you all can kind of um, intervene and step in and be able to navigate that with them. Um, so what are some ways you guys can kind of interact in the chat uh, if you would like, but what are some ways that kids are using the internet? Yes, their phones, their tablets. I'm going to go into a little bit more in depth about phones in just a second. Um, their computer, 100%. Accessing those at the library, at school. Um, nowadays, a lot of schools are giving computers to take home. Um, so that's definitely a way that they're accessing that. Their friends' devices, that's an excellent point, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well, too. Xbox, Xbox, PS4. A lot of times we don't think about it because they're just using it to play games, right? And if you grew up with like a Nintendo 64 or a GameCube, those never connected um, to the internet. And so they weren't technically devices that you could use. Um, to get online, but now Xboxes, PS4s, all of those, um, they have, um, they connect through Wi-Fi, and so it's definitely um, a way that they're getting access to that internet. Okay, awesome. So um, let me just pull my screen forward. All right. Um, yeah, so they're getting access to the internet through their phones, through their computers, their tablets, um, and some things that they could be doing. Obviously not all kids are doing all of these things. It depends on their age group. It'll depend on kind of where they're at, um, what they know about technology, how often they use it. Um, but some things that they could be doing. Blogging. Um, blogging is also, I'd like to throw out that it can also be vlogging with a V. Um, and vlogging is video blogging. So if your children watch 
any sort of YouTube videos where the YouTubers are kind of like describing what their life is like, what they do, um, whether they're playing pranks on their friends or stuff like that. Um, that's what vlogging is. And it's just kind of a video diary of, um, it's a video diary of kind of their daily process. Uh, but uh, YouTubers are getting paid lots and lots and lots of money um, to vlog and to share those, um, their life with the internet. And so a lot of times when we go into schools now, we are seeing that children want to be YouTubers when they grow up because really they just have to kind of be themselves and do funny things or things that people find funny and that they can get paid for that as long as they're posting it on the internet. So blogging is one, but also vlogging with the V um, to keep in mind. Um, email, IM, chat rooms, all of those. Um, a lot of times, um, right now, I don't know that chat rooms are as big, but using social media to chat and not necessarily be in a chat room. So you can use, um, Instagram has direct messages, uh, Facebook has instant messaging, and um, anything like Twitter, Snapchat, all of those, they have ways of chatting, and that's kind of like the new chat room feature. Um, identity theft is definitely something that could be happening while your children are on the internet. It may not necessarily mean that they are the people stealing identity, right? Um, but it could be that someone is trying to get information out of them um, to kind of uh, be able to do that to them, right? Also, uh, we've seen things like catfishing and all of those, which is where you pretend to be someone on the, um, someone else on the internet. You post pictures of um, someone else that you find maybe on like Google or you use someone else's Instagram um, and then you use those pictures and you create a completely different persona of yourself. So something like that can also fall under the category of identity theft. Uh, social networking. Uh, anything will go more in depth with social networking, but anything that really has that feature where you can connect to other people, it's considered social networking or social media. So we'll go through kind of what some of those are and what some of the more popular ones are nowadays. Webcams, um, FaceTime webcams, uh, there are different apps, there are different, uh, there are different computer things as right now, you know, we're using our webcams to um, be on the internet and to watch this webinar, right? Um, in the same way, this is probably increasing more so now that um, we're in kind of the situation that we're in. And so, um, increasing those FaceTime calls, increasing those Zoom hangouts with their friends, all of those kinds of things, um, those have probably increased a little bit more where they're using their webcams or their, or their front-facing cameras on their phones more so. Uh, gaming, um, I can't see what that one says. Um, file sharing, so this can be something that they're doing for school with Google Docs through um, SharePoint on uh, Microsoft Outlook, any of those types of file sharing, things that they do to do homework, work on group projects from far away, uh, all great things that you can do with um, that. Cell phones. Um, obviously, we don't always think of cell phones as uh, something that's necessarily uh, straight connected to the internet. Now, you know, we have smartphones and so those are little computers in the palm of our hand. Uh, but sometimes uh, we don't think of all of the capacity that it could have. And so, like I said, we'll go into more depth on cell phones in a second. Cyberbullying. Uh, a lot of times we find that um, children don't really, don't really feel the same consequences for cyberbullying as they do um, 
in real life or in real life kind of bullying and sometimes it's harder for us to understand uh, but a lot of times we see that kids are way more mean uh, through a computer um, when there's a computer between them and whoever they are picking on um, and so we want to make sure that you know those things are kind of kept under control sexting that is um, sending inappropriate uh, sexually inappropriate text messages so it could be pictures of their body um, it could be words or anything like that that has to do with that um, and so that can be something that is happening via the internet and then inappropriate content of any kind this could fall under um, whatever really you consider inappropriate for your household or for their age group um, so that could be pornography that could be videos that have some sort of violence games that have some sort of violence um, really all of those things fall under the category of inappropriate content um, some of the stuff is really scary right and so a lot of times we feel like because maybe we're not technology um, inclined or we don't have as much information about technology um, that we are not necessarily or that we're out of touch with our kids or that we're out of touch with um, kids nowadays right but what we've known to be true is that technology has changed but kids have not when i was growing up right i played with um, my barbie dolls my brats dolls those kinds of things um, and um, really that was because i like to dress them up i like to you know play characters with them um, playing board games uh, when we played board games as a kid it was because we wanted to hang out with our friends we wanted to have a reason for them all to come over um, we could play a game we could have fun give us something to do um, in times when there wasn't a lot going on right uh, passing notes quick way to get a message to and from your friends whether that's during class whether that's while you're you know at dinner anything like that but passing those notes buying CDs having access to your music um, and music that you enjoy and that you like and not just music that maybe your parents had those one of those reasons why we would buy those CDs right um, and then writing in journals writing in journals being able to kind of take whatever was going on in our mind at that point and putting that into a book writing it down getting it out now instead of playing with dolls and action figures right um, kids are developing avatars so if they're playing video games um, or you know anything like that they are they typically have to create their own avatar and that's so if you've ever seen your child play fortnite and they're playing fortnite they get to dress up their character in whatever it is that they want so they could have bright pink hair and a dinosaur costume on and um you know a bubble a bubble gun that's shaped like a guitar uh, all of these very random things that they can do but it's the same process or the same thought process as wanting to play with dolls or action figures getting to kind of create your own person um, and then play with them and act out scenarios with them uh, playing with gaming systems uh, nowadays children do not have to be in the same room to play games with their friends right they um, are able to they're able to be in their own houses and they're able to still play and still have that connection because they can go online and as long as they're all online at the same time they can play the same game with each other um, texting that quick way of messaging downloading their music nowadays if you have spotify apple music amazon music any of those uh, you don't need to buy a whole cd right you just need to buy the five dollar subscription to that download and then they can have all the music that they want at the you know at their fingertips and again, those blogs that they're writing um, or the, if they're filming video blogs, 
um, those are things that they're just trying to get out their, you know, their emotions, the way that they're feeling. Um, they're trying to keep track of kind of how, how life is going for them in that moment. And so a lot of times, again, like I said, we think because technology is so advanced and the things that they're doing are so different that the kids have changed, but the kids have not. And it's still very similar to the way that you grew up and the way that you um, interacted with your friends. It's just the way that it happens now is slightly different. Um, technology is not bad. <laughs> uh, for the most part, um, children are, uh, they're not getting into trouble online, right? They, um, they, it's become more common knowledge that you want to have your um, social media sites on private. Um, for the most part, children aren't uh, logging onto websites that they shouldn't be because they don't really know that those exist, right? Um, but we want to consider just kind of some basic things that can help us, um, that can help us kind of navigate if we do notice that those things are happening, how we can kind of get through that. So the first basic safety step and something that every parent, every child should know is that anything posted online is public and permanent. Um, sometimes we think that because our, maybe our account is private um, and only our friends can see it, that that's the only people who are seeing it. But um, what's not taken into consideration a lot of the time is being able to screenshot um, what's on your computer, being able to screenshot what's on your phone, any of those types of things. Uh, we don't really consider or we don't really think about kind of how that can be shared and or taken and used for not its intended purposes, right? So making sure that anything that's on there, our children know is going to be public and permanent. Um, a lot of schools, uh, a lot of colleges, a lot of universities, a lot of uh, jobs, they're now asking for the, your username for your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook. And they want the information for all of those um, so that they can go on and they can look. And it's not like they're going to only look at the past year, what you've been posting. They're going to do a very thorough deep dive um, if they are depending on the type of school or the type of employment that it is. And so we wanna make sure that kids know that just because you were maybe an angsty teen, um, that that is still something that you want to monitor, you want to keep track of, you want to make sure that that is not something that you posted when you were 16 years old is not something that's going to keep you from getting a job that you want in the future or getting into the university that you want to, right? Um, so some questions that we ask our kids before they go anywhere, right? We ask them who they're going with, who's going to be there. We ask them, um, we ask them how long they're going to be gone, what time they're going to be home. Um, we ask them where are they going. All of those questions are things that can be translated into their online world. We don't think about asking those kinds of questions because they're home, they're sitting in front of us, and we can see what they're doing. But we want to make sure that we are taking into consideration that it is the real world because so many people have access to whatever it is that they're doing. So if your child is on Instagram, your child is on Snapchat, maybe they are playing games online, it's still anyone else who is on at that exact same time or anyone else who is, has that app is able, to then, um, is able to then look at what your child is doing. And so uh, we wanna still ask the same questions that we would if they were going out with their friends, right? How long are you gonna be online? What are you doing when you're online? What, um, who are you talking to? 
um, or who are you going to play your games with? Um, making sure that we're still asking those same questions because it's still general safety that we want to keep in, uh, that we want to keep track of. Uh, when we're talking about cell phones and smartphones, right? So a lot of times, um, mostly when we give our children those cell phones or those smartphones, it's for, it's for safety reasons, right? Especially once they start to get older, if they're doing sports outside of school, if they are, um, if they're hanging out with their friends a lot more, uh, maybe they're home alone for a few hours while you're at work and they get off school before you get off work. Uh, all of those things are like different reasons and different safety concerns that um, for reasons why they would need a phone. But um, definitely we want to make sure that everything that they're doing with their phone is monitored. And a lot of times it can be um, hard because you're like, well, that's their personal text messages, that's their personal information. Uh, but what we don't think about is that that's still something that you that we can keep track of. Uh, you are the ones who are paying for the phone. You're the ones who bought the phone. Um, we want to make sure that they're being safe in all aspects of their life and not just where they are um, in the physical presence. Um, so social networks. Um, I'm going to exit out so you guys won't be able to see the PowerPoint just so I can look at the chat really quick. Uh, but I want to kind of see what social networks you all are aware of. Um, so give me one second to open up that chat. All right, what your knowledge is. TikTok, yes, that one is getting really big. Snapchat, mm -hmm. Instagram, YouTube. Musically, yeah. For anyone who doesn't know what Musically is, it's very similar to TikTok where you kind of record yourself lip syncing. Okay, awesome. Let me go back to. Uh, so, yes, when we are looking at those social networks, um, looking at that social media, um, it's more than just being on Facebook, right? In fact, if you ever ask a, any um, anyone over, anyone who was born probably after the year 2000, you ask them about Facebook, they're going to say that's for old people, right? Um, and so they, um, again, like I said, social networks is anywhere where you can have contact to the kind of like people who are outside of your original um, circle. So I'm going to go through a couple of examples. Omegle, this one, I don't know if it's as popular as it used to be, but it's kind of like a chat roulette, but with your video, um, with your webcam. So if you are on Omegle, you just click um, to turn on your webcam and then you randomly video chat with anyone who is also on Omegle. There's no way to filter out kind of um, age groups. There's no way to filter out any, um, like any inappropriate content, anything like that. Um, it's just whoever pops up on your screen, that's who you talk to. You can hit next or you can exit out but once you hit next again it just randomizes and puts you with anyone else who is also on the app. Facebook, like I said, Facebook is for old people now but for most people um, who do have Facebook and who do know how to use it, a lot of parents, uh, Facebook was one of the most, one of the first social networking apps that we have and so if you know how to use Facebook, a lot of the other apps have taken similar ideas and just kind of turned it into something slightly different. So if you know how to use Facebook, you have a general idea of how to use um, 
most of the other uh, most of the other apps without really realizing that you know how to generally use those. Tumblr is a place where you can have a blog um, and just kind of like general random information. The thing with Tumblr, I don't, again, it was very popular when I was in high school, but I don't know if it's as popular now. But with Tumblr, when you are on it, you kind of put yourself into like a group. So if you really enjoy One Direction and all things One Direction, you kind of um, you can add other blogs that have to do with One Direction. Um, you can add other blogs that have to do with cooking if you really enjoy cooking. Um, but this is a way that people, and something that we want to be very um, cautious of, because a lot of times we've seen that online predators uh, will pretend to enjoy some of the same things as kids are enjoying. And they, um, and that's how they kind of start in initiating that conversation is through those general, I really like this band, um, groups and then they kind of choose a kid. They look for a, uh, they look for a kid or someone who um, who is posting things maybe about also not just that group but also things like oh I hate my parents I hate being home um, I can't wait to you know leave or things that show that they're kind of in some sort of distress already to be able to target those situations. Um, so being very cautious of uh, places like Tumblr where it does kind of group you into what you like and what you enjoy, but also being cautious of the other things that you're posting as well. Um, Snapchat. The fun thing about Snapchat is when it first came out, everyone thought that um, you were going to send that picture and it was going to disappear from the face of the earth uh, after, after that seven seconds or 10 seconds or whatever it was, right? Uh, until we found out that one, Snapchat is, has everything archived. So every picture, every video that has ever been sent on Snapchat exists in an archive. So if something were to happen, the police needed information, um, they would be able to pull that information. It now exists in the Snapchat cloud. And so that is still some way that we can get them, right? But also all of our phones, all of our computers, they all have access to screenshotting things. So if you send something to someone on Snapchat, they take a picture of it, right? Then now that person has complete control of that picture. You have no control of who they send it to, if they post it on any other websites, what they're doing with that picture, it's completely up to them. I talk to kids about this sometimes in classrooms and they tell me, but it'll tell you who Snapchatted it or who, or who screenshotted it. It'll tell you who's like, if they took a screenshot of your picture and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. So, you know, they have the screenshot at least you have that fair warning, but then do you know what they did with it? Do you know if they sent it to anyone else? Do you know if they posted it on their Instagram or anything like that? And they're like, oh no, I don't like, we don't know what they would do. And I was like, so we want to be careful, but we're sending, we want to make sure that it's not something um, that we wouldn't want everyone else to see because it is that ability to screenshot um, definitely is what keeps every, anything from being private on the internet. Um, World of Warcraft, uh, Pinterest. Pinterest, a lot of times we don't think about because it's just kind of putting, looking at pictures and stuff like that. Uh, but it does have that chat feature, which any most forms of um, apps that you have on your phone nowadays will have that chat feature. And so that's something that's important to look at as well. Kick, I don't think, again, is as popular as it used to be, but it's very similar to WhatsApp, where you don't really need um, any sort of, um, you don't really need any like 
data, cell phone data, to send uh, text messages or to make phone calls. Um, you just really need a Wi-Fi connection to be able to do that. So if um, you, for whatever reason, um, if your child has access to like an iPod or an iPad, um, they can download apps like Kick, WhatsApp, um, GroupMe, uh, all of those, and they can still send text messages back and forth to their friends. The same thing um, with any sort of iPhone. So if you've given your um, so if you've given your child kind of an old iPhone just so they can download and play games on it, um, but it's no longer connected to T-Mobile, Verizon, Sprint, or anything like that, um, iMessages are sent with uh, with Wi-Fi. So they will be able, as long as they have their uh, email connected to it, they will be able to send text messages from that phone. So that's just something that we want to um, be aware of as well, uh, just because a lot of times I know of parents who have, um, who take their kids' phones and they only read their text messages um, when they go through it at night, but they don't look at these other apps that do have those similar messaging features um, that their kids could be kind of looking at. Words with friends. Again, it's one of those things that we're like, it's just a game. How can it be dangerous? Um, but we want to make sure that we're looking at it in that sense of um, because it is worth um, it is something that we can send those chats on. And so we want to be cautious and aware of that as well. Uh, there's been times where parents have given their kids their phone to play with words with friends. And then they realized that their child was talking to a complete stranger um, through words with friends because they were playing a game, a randomized game. Uh, with them and they decided and that stranger started asking questions like where they went to school, what their name was, um, how old they were, all of that information. And so a lot of times what we'll see is on any time a kid is playing a game, so whether it's words with friends, whether it's their, um, I'm trying to get to a specific one, sorry y'all, um, whether it's their words with friends, whether it's their Xbox, whether it's their PlayStation. If they're playing a game and they're trying to focus on the game, um, and someone is randomly coming into their, you know, into their party to play with them because maybe they need four people and they only have three and them and their friends from school only have three. So the game puts a fourth random person in there. That person could then, um, that person could then have the ability to um, then just ask random questions because they're using the game, they're using their mics on their game um, to kind of help them win, right? But that person could be like, oh, I'm so sorry, your fourth friend had to leave. Do you have a lot of homework? And say, yeah. And, he, and then that person could say, oh, yeah, I, have, I had a lot of homework today, too. What school do you guys go to? Oh, that's so cool. I go to this school. And so, but just through wanting to play that game, it's very possible for those conversations to be initiated in that way. Um, Instagram, YouTube, again, we've talked a lot about YouTube, but some things that we want to be careful for is um, YouTube Kids. So if you have younger children as well as older children, um, if they're using YouTube Kids, sometimes things can slip through those family-friendly filters. So if it's like a video of Peppa Pig at the beginning and at the end it's also a video of Peppa Pig, something could be put in the middle that's inappropriate um, or, or anything like that. A while ago, uh, Momo was the thing that was happening um, and this was a weird looking puppet character um, who in between two normal looking cartoon videos in between in the middle of that video would pop up and they would talk about how to self-harm and how to commit suicide and they would teach kids how to do that and so um, that's something that we want to be very careful and cautious of 
if you do know that your child likes to watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse um, or anything like that, coming or purchasing a subscription to um, to Disney Plus or anything like that is probably the best bet because then you know that if they're watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, it is Mickey Mouse Clubhouse because it's on Disney Plus. That's something that Disney is putting out versus if they're watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse on YouTube, someone could have reanimated or voiced over um, videos of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and made it into something else, right? So we just wanna be careful of that. Um, again, with YouTube, uh, a lot of times we hear kids saying that they wanna be YouTubers because it is something that can be very lucrative, um, but they're not thinking of the repercussions of kind of putting their life out there in that way. And so making sure that they're being very careful, um, guiding them through what information is safe and what information isn't safe. Um, every website, every app will have a safety center. Um, we've had, we have a few here. Um, so if you wanna go back and look kind of at that, but usually you can find it in the settings or at the very bottom of a web page. but they'll have those safety centers and that way you know what that specific social network or that specific uh, website is doing on their end to kind of keep kids safe and to have those guidelines and what guidelines they have in place for safety. And then that way you know what extra precautions and what extra steps you have to take. Location settings is probably the scariest thing about our phones uh, because at any point in time you can know exactly where anyone is if they don't have their location settings set in a private way. Um, I know a lot of parents who use the location settings to kind of track their kids' phones so that way they know if they say they're going to their friend's house then they're actually at their friend's house, those kinds of things. And so up here on this screen, it does say how to kind of um, take off the location settings for very specific apps. So apps like Snapchat, Instagram, they have a map feature. So um, it will, if you open up the map feature, anyone who has their location settings turned on, it will, um, it will show kind of where all of their friends are on this map. But if you zoom in very closely, it will tell you exactly. So um, right now I'm, you know, I'm at the center. Uh, it will tell you that not only that I'm at the Center for Child Protection, but it's going to tell you exactly what building of the Center for Child Protection I'm in. That's how accurate it can be. And so we want to make sure that um, our children aren't letting all of that information um, be public. So if you need to be able to track their location or anything like that, there are um, using these location settings, uh, you are able um, to go on, keep it on for find my friends or find my iPhone and turn it off for Snapchat, Instagram, those kinds of things. Uh, social network, the gaming, like I said, there are a lot of games that um, now, because you can play online, sometimes it says you need a minimum of four people to play. And maybe, um, you know, maybe there's only three friends who could play, so it'll put a random person in there. Um, making sure that they have a plan in place, making sure that kids have a plan in place for if that were to happen. Um, maybe if they have a random person, maybe they put their mic on mute and then they uh, talk to their friends on speakerphone instead of um, through the game. And then that way they're still able to talk to their friends to be able to play the game, um, but that other person can't hear them or that, and if that person wants to talk to them, it's harder for them to do. So just making sure that they have a plan in place um, or if you prefer that they don't play with anyone that they don't know. Um, very 
very kind of gently talking to them and having that um, and having that conversation with them so that way they know about that and they know about your expectations for the game. Um, social networking, these are just some more information on kind of those communication guidelines, but I've really talked about those a lot and what those look like on different social media forms, so I won't go too much into that. But potentially anyone could be talking to your child on the internet. Um, and something that we really want to make sure that they know is that unless they know that person in real life, you don't truly know them online. Um, and that is not an invitation for them to go and randomly meet <laughs> um, someone that they've met online or that they've been talking to online, right? Um, but it is just a kind of a, that guideline of if maybe if they want to meet someone that they've met online, that you can say, talk to me and maybe we'll, and you know, and then we can go, um, that person can bring their mom, I'll come with you, and then we can meet up and that way it's a safe situation, right? Not necessarily completely restricting them from meeting anyone online, um, but just making sure that that, um, that that situation is as safe as possible. Doing so in a public place, not anywhere private, all of those things. On these slides, you will see a couple of connections to NetSmart's video. Um, with NetSmarts, you can go onto their website. So I believe it's just netsmarts.org. Um, if you type in NetSmarts in Google, it will pop up for you. Um, it is run by um, the Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And so um, that will pop up. But these are videos that go from elementary to middle school to high school. Um, and so that way uh, you can watch these videos with your kids and it just kind of teaches them about um, internet etiquette and things that they should share and things that they shouldn't share um, and just kind of how to be safe online. Um, so that is a really great um, way. The elementary level ones are cartoons, so it's easier for the kids to watch. The middle school and high school level, some of them are um, cartoons, but not elementary level cartoons. Um, and then some of them are actual videos or testimonies of um, kids that could have um, done something differently when they were on the internet. Um, so NetSmarts is a really great tool to use um, and they have a lot of resources for parents on there as well. Um, more guidelines, again, for how to um, protect your kids while using the internet. Um, a lot of times it confuses us because we don't know why children are sharing so much information online, right? Um, but they're currently trying to find themselves. They're trying to find somewhere where they belong. Um, it's so much easier online because again, there are places where you can go where you can interact with people who like the same things that you do. So if you love a band or you love a type of music, but you don't know anyone at school who knows that type of music or who likes that type of music, you can go online and you can find a community of people who are interested in the same things that you are. Finding that identity and building that identity of who they are is definitely something that they're trying to do, especially middle school and high school. Um, <clears throat> they, it's easier for them to do that online, right? When there's, it feels less restrictive. Um, so making sure that we, when we have these conversations with them, it is in a way that builds up their self-esteem. Uh, so that way they know just some kind of different, like that way they know that you care about their safety, but you're not trying to prohibit them from exploring who they are. 
Um, this is how to talk about the risks at every age and just kind of those guidelines and those things that you um, may want to um, kind of touch on with them. So for younger kids, that's net etiquette or netiquette, which is internet etiquette. Um, not trusting people, not clicking on pop-ups that say you've won a million dollars, not sharing your passwords with everyone, um, and not looking at inappropriate content. This is where you can kind of set up your own guidelines for your own family. Um, if you think that inappropriate content is just anything that, you know, has a mature rating or a PG or anything over PG-13, that is something that you can kind of talk to your kids about. This is inappropriate content. This is why I think so. Um, or if you don't want them watching anything that may be violent or anything like that. This is really where it kind of um, turns into something that is more so for your household and what you're comfortable for, what you're comfortable with in your household. Um, tweens and teens, cyberbullying, we touched on that a little bit. Online predators, kind of what those online predators are looking for is just someone who feels disconnected. Um, someone who's looking for a connection somewhere else outside of their home. So we want to make sure that um, in any form of discipline or any form of conversations, they're done in a way that builds self-esteem. Um, posting personal or inappropriate information, uh, what personal, what is too personal for them to share online, having that conversation with them, um, and then what information is inappropriate. Uh, sexing and pornography, these are things that uh, we have, that obviously increase a lot in those tweens and teen years, mostly out of some sort of curiosity, right? Um, it, or if it happens accidentally, maybe they're scrolling through, you know, Google and an image pops up. If you then take that phone away from them and you say, no, absolutely, you cannot look at that, that's inappropriate, but you don't explain why it's inappropriate or why you feel that way, it then creates that curiosity. And so we want to make sure if we have that conversation with them, we really explain like, these are our views in this house. This is how I feel about it. This is why it makes, this is why I'm uncomfortable with you looking at that kind of thing. And this is how I want to kind of go forward and move forward with that in the future. Those kinds of conversations. I'm going to slowly scroll through kind of the next couple of slides so that way, um, you all can go back and look at them. Um, but a lot of it is just is more breakdown on the larger general topics. So this will be posted um, on there. And so that way you guys can go back and you can look at these slides. And um, I will, and then we'll kind of work through that. But I've most, mostly touched on all of this already. So I'm gonna go through slowly on these slides so you can look back at them a little bit later. Um, but again, it is just kind of, it is mostly talking about those, um, those different threats that we've seen online and I've kind of touched on most of them. So it is kind of like cyberbullying is the first one. So what those prevention tips look like, um, how to respond if you know that it's happening um, and how you can kind of like guide that conversation. Because like I said, a lot of times it's worse than we could imagine because kids feel like they can be more mean just because they're on the other side of a computer. Um, so possible online threats, those offenders, um, those online predators, kind of like what I talked about, they're looking for someone who's disconnected. And so having that conversation where even if your child may be mad at you, not making, you know, a Instagram post about how mad they are at you, um, those kinds of things, making sure that they understand those threats and why it's, um, not, and why it's a threat information. So we always want to make sure that they are aware of the kind of information that they are sending. 
Again, this is going to be posted and so you all should be able to pause kind of at the different levels. Um, so that way you can read and kind of have more of that information. But I do want to go through it a little bit slowly so that way um, you it's definitely on here for you all. This kind of goes into sexting. This next portion will go into sexting and pornography and kind of what that looks like and um, how you can have those conversations. I've gotten asked in the past kind of what leads kids to sexting. And um, a lot of times it is that low self-esteem, uh, maybe wanting to feel like they're a part of something. Um, and also a lot of times it could be peer pressure. So if maybe they have one friend who's done it, it feels like everyone's doing it. And so that's something that could um, increase that peer pressure. And so just kind of having those conversations. Um, once they are a, um, at any age, until they are um, 18, I believe. Um, if they have a picture of themselves, of their own body, it can be considered um, possession of child pornography. If they send that picture out to someone else, it could be the, they could be charged with distribution of child pornography. Um, so if you're noticing that kind of the more um, emotional approach to this is not working, um, or those conver these conversation starters um, lead to a conversation where you're unsure, um, bringing that into the conversation as well can be um, something that kind of shows them how serious that this can be. And so just kind of knowing the laws around that. Um, again, pornography, um, it's going to go through what the threat is, how to prevent it, um, and then how to respond. Um, this kind of goes through some of those laws about child pornography. Um, so that way, um, if you are having um, trouble having that conversation, this might be able to help guide you through that. Um, so a lot of times we get asked, are you suggesting that I spy on my child? And we say absolutely yes, um, because someone else already could be. If you do not follow your children's social media, if you do not follow them on Instagram, Snapchat, um, if you do not make sure that they don't have you blocked on those things because it is possible to let you follow them but then not let you see anything. So if you are um, not keeping um, track of those things, it is something that other people could have access to and other people could be looking at. So if you are unaware of what is on their social media and on their apps, um, we want to make sure that um, it's not something that is um, hindering your ability to protect them. Um, if you are aware of any of any online child pornography or anything like that, this is the cyber tip line for that. And any uh, child abuse unit, um, any child abuse that we um, that they may be experiencing, um, calling the police department, or if it's an absolute emergency, calling 911. Uh, this is our information. Uh, again, my name is Nina Sofer. We do work with the Center for Child Protection. Um, the training email is on there. If you have any questions, um, please feel free to email the training email. Um, if you go onto our website, you will be able to find the link for ed more education things. So if you work with a community or you are, um, or you are, um, involved with another organization that could benefit from one of our trainings, um, please feel free to um, share that information. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for joining us. If you're interested in the archived video recording of this session and any corresponding handouts or resources, please visit the WHS Healthy Shaps website at healthyshaps.weebly.com.